do they do? So I started to ask him, I said, do you do any offering messages? And he looked at me blankly like, offering messages? Like, what's that about? He goes, no, we just got people that come. They, they love God. The seed that the work is entailed in the work of the ministry, and they just freely give. They just continue to freely give. So I don't know if they do teaching and life groups or other things about that. They, they must somewhere, it might come up in conversation with question time, but they don't put a lot of emphasis in there. And this man just looked at me like just giving to the church like as if you wouldn't. It's a normal part of life. Give to the church. It needs to be financed. We need to grow. We need to reach the people for Christ. So let's just give our finances. So with other... Uh, other people out there with other groups of religious beliefs, a lot of them just believe, well, you've got to put the money in there to do the work of what we believe in. So I want to encourage you that if they're doing that and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and we're born again and we worship God in spirit and in truth, how much more would the Holy Spirit guide us to give what is due to the, the kingdom of God to what Westgate is trying to do? So just be aware of that. Where whatever group you're part of, it's a natural thing. It is better to give than receive. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the givers. But also, Father, I thank you, Lord, for a special, a special time of grace and mercy over those that are readjusting their finances and their commitments to meet the heavenly mandate to sow, to give their tithes into the kingdom of God so we can advance this church to be a major player in our community. So when people drive past our building, they realize that church is stopping people from going to hell and that church is bringing people to heaven and that church is bringing heaven into people's homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what must I do? That is the title of our series this month. What must I do? What's that got to do with praise and worship? What must I do? You see this high-vis jacket right here? This high-vis jacket has a story. And God just showed it to me while I was worshiping. I remember the story. This high-vis jacket I got for free, and I found it discarded in a skip bin from my neighbor down the road. They were a Christian family. The mother and father loved Jesus, and they had beautiful little boys. They were going to a Spanish church down the road, but they went. They, their marriage got into a deep time of trouble, and they ended up divorcing and selling their house. And the man obviously finished his job, and he threw all of it in the skip bin. And this high-vis shirt is a result of someone's divorce someone's failure to meet their covenant with God, this high-vis. And now it's in church for the glory of God to bring the most amazing illustration that I believe that will help you go to the, the highest, furthest places with God. But this, this like so many lives, this high-vis jacket came out of a horrible, nasty divorce. They say that a divorce will cost a person 25% of their entire life's wealth. Divorce will. And so that was a product of divorce. And when I read through Daniel, Daniel 6, 10 to 12, it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, 
see you've got the king and the satraps and all the other guys, they got together and they knew what Daniel was about, that he worshipped God. And they went to the king and they said, you know, let's make a decree for the next 30 days that nobody worships other gods but the king. They did that to trap Daniel. And so here we are up to the story where Daniel had learned the decree that had been published by the king. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows open up towards Jerusalem. And as he was doing that, Daniel realized that had he have done this next step, he would be found out and he would be thrown in a pit full of lions, not knowing how God would deliver him. Now today, maybe you're in a time or a place where you are facing extreme adversity and people are watching you and you have a decree against you with your family, your job, people in your lives, we might have things coming against us a tough time and we're faced with the most amazing decision whether we go forward with God or whether we just listen to the decree says pull back, don't step forward with God. And so we read here, he opened up the windows towards Jerusalem and three times a day he got on his knees and prayed. So when you look at the story, God was watching the whole scene. God knew that Daniel had set up a pattern of prayer and worship every day to God. And God was watching. But I guarantee you, once the degree had been set against Daniel, and Daniel put on the garment of prayer, and he knelt down and it says that he prayed three times a day and he worshipped God, what Daniel effectively did with his praise and his worship and his prayer life, he put a visible target on his back for God to find a worshipper who worships God in spirit and in truth. Every time you put on the garment of praise, I promise you one thing, that God can easily find you because you have high-vis praise. High-vis praise. I want to encourage you today. He gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. So he regularly put on the high-vis of praise where God could find him straight away, ready, accessible. Where are we at today, church? Where are we at today? I mean, some of us struggle putting on the high-vis when we're going through the best times in our life because we're in the best times. Why do we need God? Some of us sometimes are in the worst times, and instead of putting the high-vis of praise, we go to Facebook and we attention-seek and we complain and we get bitter and we do all those things and woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. But God doesn't pay attention. God is not moved by our complaints. God is not moved by our grumblings. God is moved not by when we go to, to, go to Facebook or multimedia or drag attention to our problems. Facebook is not there to drag attention to despair, hopelessness and problems. Facebook is there to add hope to the world. It's not grudge book, it's not anger book, it's not depression book. It's really faith book for Christians. Faith book, post things of hope. You're allowed to post real things that you're going through, but don't 
end the story in the Facebook chat with hopelessness at the end. God always supplies a way of escape. So if we supply the problem without the way of escape, we're going against the model of God. So the hive is of praise, giving thanks. These men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So the king went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? You know, my neighbor, he's got a boss above him that just got a job last month or two months ago. The most, um, one of the most amazing stories. He knew that his boss above him was going to be in for a lot of trouble because the company was not selling much and things were looking really bad. And my neighbor, his job, being a Christian man, was secure, but he was like, God, make a way for this other man to keep his job and to be prosperous. But he went for a plane trip to Mount Isa and then he would drive back. And then one day the Holy Spirit said, you know, kneel down. So he knelt down, he, he sought God and he said, God, I need you to come through. I'm doing okay and I'll be okay, but God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle for my boss so we can get him on track and we can get his job secure. So he knelt down, he prayed, he sought God. That very night, that very night, he got a phone call from a company that should have put the order in middle of next year, rang up that night and said, I want to put my $240,000 order in tonight. Then he rang up the boss above him and say, I've got the biggest blessing for you. I got back down on my knees. I prayed. I asked God, and it's for you. And the guy went speechless. He couldn't say anything, and he just got $240,000 credited to his name. And I just thought, wow, what a God we serve. What a God we serve. How good is that? See, the Bible says, the Bible says, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you may have life in abundance, in fullness, overflowing abundance. So the devil is always going to want to come and destroy you. The devil hates marriages. The devil hates united families. The devil hates a united church. The devil hates all those things. And he will come and he will gather people together to come and destroy you. But Jesus has come that we have, may, may have life and life to the full. And in John 3.30, we get the secret again. He must become greater, I must become less. He must become, I must decrease, he must increase. The foot of the cross, the foot of the cross, Christians, believers, let's be found at the foot of the cross. I want this church, I want us as a church family to be so in love with high-vis praise and worship. Do it at home, do it in the car, and then release it together in church. Did you know that people have spirits of fear, aggression? People have lots of spirits on them. Did you know that sometimes in all churches across Australia, 
that devils will try and come on people through that door. But how can they stay if the building has erupted with praise? How can, you know, a fly cannot stay on a hot rock. A fly cannot stay on a hot rock. If your praise is hot, hot for God, the flies won't come land on you. They'll come land on somebody else. Flies don't land on cold rocks. I want to encourage you with that. And then Matthew 2, 1 to 12, it says this, but we'll just go uh, verse 1 and 2. Matthew 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born the King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The three wise men. No matter how wise or how smart we think we are, if we're really wise and smart, we come to worship Jesus. That is the first place we come to, to worship Jesus. You know, to be to very transparent with you, in 20 years of ministry, the greatest people I have had problems with in my life are the people that aren't lost and and just totally intense in the praise and worship of God. The easiest people to flow with are the ones that are so connected with the presence of God through praise and worship. You can't wait to praise and worship God in your car. You can't wait to praise and worship with your wife, with your husband, with your family. You can't wait to praise and worship in your life group. You can't wait to praise and worship by yourself to take five minutes at work away from anybody and just to open your Bible and start to pray in tongues or start to say, God, you're so good. You're never going to let me down. 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 And you just do that. You will not become a problem to anybody else in the kingdom of God if you dedicate your life to being a worshiper. This shirt I wore on purpose today. This is Pastor Hans' shirt. He loved, one of his favorite parts of the church service was praise and worship. He used to wake up at 6 o'clock every morning with his Bible open and he'd just pray in tongues for an hour. He'd read his Bible and he'd start to sing in tongues and he'd start to sing. And, and I just wear this as a, a, just as a tribute and a reminder that the legacy of this church was built on praise and worship. Yes, because you and I can recite a lot of scripture and we learn a lot of scripture or teaching in our life groups or with other, with other, with other people, doesn't mean that you're close to God because the devil can recite scripture too. People can say, well, I turn up to church every week. Well, demons and devils turn up to church too. Beyond all the scriptures we know, there has to be a switching over to intense praise and worship for our Creator to just let it go, let it go. You're not my problem. You're not my problem. I go to God and say, God, how can I, how can I work through all these issues? It's me and God working it through. Now, what must I do? The, the scripture of this month, I'm going to quickly read through. The scripture of this month, Acts 16, 16 to 40. Paul and Silas in the prison. <coughs> Once when we were going to the place of prayer, 
so they're going to replace a prayer. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money by for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who were telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, Finally, Paul became so annoyed. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. This girl kept following them because they prayed. They sought the presence of God. And then she kept following her and Paul became so annoyed. You know, he didn't say that he became so annoyed with her. Don't become so annoyed with other Christians or family members or other people. That's not God's plan for your life. My job's not to get annoyed with you. Your job's not to get annoyed with me. Because if that were true, the Apostle Paul, it would have said here, and he became so annoyed with her that he spoke to her. He wasn't speaking to her. How do I know this? It says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. I want to encourage you that when you praise, when you worship, when you love God, when you're excited about the presence of God, you're not going to go after people. You're going to go what's after over people. Go after what is in people, what's over people. Speak to the spirit that is driving them to do that. Paul never went to attack that person that was behaving wrongly. He went to the spirit for that person. I don't find anywhere in scripture where it gives us license to attack and criticize each other. I don't find it. Paul, it says here, look at this. Finally, Paul became so annoyed after many days. I know Christians and people that get annoyed after five minutes because their coffee wasn't hot enough, because their meal wasn't delivered in time, because they had to wait too long for someone to turn up. And yes, we need to get some of those things in order, but it took days for Paul to get annoyed that tells me that Paul was a man of faith. Paul prayed. Paul fasted. Paul spoke in tongues more than everybody. He did all those things. So Paul's resilience, he built up a resilience where he could go for days before he could officially get annoyed. People aren't your problem. The spirits that are driving people are our problem. And we, we uh, face them with the Word of God and we back it up with praise and worship. So at the moment, at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace, faced authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. Wow. What if we put all put this on together and we stopped attacking each other and the kingdom of God, we stopped attacking Catholics and Baptists and Anglicans and Unitings. We stopped attacking each other. We just put on the garment of praise together. These men are Jews and they are throwing our city into uproar. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Our church throws the city into an uproar, casting out devils. Laying hands on the sick, they shall recover. Not because we criticized and attacked each other, but because we saw it for what it is. We just focused on God, got ourselves better, and started discipling each other. How good is that? Just putting on that garment, praying, fasting, praying in tongues, getting our life right with God, 
like Thomas and Rose going down to learn some new keys or get deeper in the keys of God, come back, put it into their life group, speak to the leadership of the church. Let's keep going forward. Let's just learn from each other. That's where God is all about. By advocating the customs unlawful for us, Romans, to accept or practice. You see, when the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you and when the garment of praise grabs a hold of you and grabs a hold of the leadership of this church, it's going to upset some Christians in this church that are used to the church having old wineskins. Well, we didn't do it. We did it that way back in my day. Well, your day is gone. The Holy Spirit has moved on. Let's move on with Him. They set the city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. They did some things differently. Who wants the Holy Spirit to talk to the leadership and the disciples of this church to bring something new and fresh to grow our church forward? Who wants to be stuck in the ways that we used to do youth group, we used to do kids church, we used to have meetings, we used to have life group? That's gone, that's buried, that's dead. Let's stop bragging about our old trophies. Let's stop bragging about our old accomplishments. Paul said, I lay it behind to push forward to obtain the prize that is before me. Paul said, I count it as though it is rubbish. Rubbish. We don't want to be like dogs going back to the vomit. It's just rubbish. Let's move on. You know, your best days are ahead of you. They are. Your best days are ahead of you. Okay. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Of course, that's what the crowd does. When they're, when they're filled with demons, they do dumb things. And they join together and they attack the work of God. Stupidity at its best. And... The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So, um, so Joe, come up here. Thanks. Come up here. I, I want to take some anger out on you. So that's good. Joe, come up. Lie down. Lie down. So, oh, just sit there. Just sit there. You're easier to kick when you sit down. Stand here. No, don't use my chair. Sit on the carpet. Thanks. And it says, after they had been severely, you know, kicked in there. And, oh, he, he took me seriously. Come on. You know, banging and elbows and punching and rods. They get rods. Maybe they, got, maybe they got an old guitar they want an upgrade on. They smashed it over his head. He was bleeding. He was hurt. He was destitute. And then it says that, um, that you know, they stripped him. And he was, he was like half naked, partially naked, fully naked. He was bleeding. All he was savagely, savagely beaten. Savagely beaten. And then they put him into prison, and then the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Carefully. They were guarded carefully after they virtually couldn't move or do anything. So give him a clap. Go, I just might be tempted if you stay there. So um, go sit down again. So when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, about midnight. Say about midnight. Say about midnight. Say about midnight. About midnight. Okay, so imagine Paul and Silas were savagely beaten, smashed beyond, beyond almost repair, just bleeding, hurt, probably bruising to the bone. They're put in a prison 
It wasn't a uh, Hilton prison like we have in Australia. It was darkness. It was rats. There was no TV. There was no, there was no fiber optic cable. There was nothing like that. It was dirty. It was unhygienic. They were all together. They all smelt. Imagine, uh, you know, you've got all these people out there that go through a hard day and they want to go and complain. These guys had a real reason to complain. And guess what their response was? It's so amazing. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and praying and singing hymns to God. You're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. God, you're never. You know, you imagine how hard it would be to stand up and to move after they had, you know, imagine you hit a rod on your shin hard enough, on your skull hard enough, on your elbow, on, on, on parts of your, there is bruising in the bone. It is so painful. I remember falling down one time um, somewhere, I forget now, obviously healed, and uh, my knee, that's right, I slipped on knee at work, and um, I bruised the bone there, and for weeks it stayed there. It was just so, so bad, and so but they stood up, singing hymns, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for light. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do? So, just want to encourage you today, church. When you put on the garment of high-vis praise in your life and you don't let the devil steal your joy and you are committed committed to praising God through the most hellish times, through the most blessed times. Your life, even though you're bruised and battered and things have gone really hard and you have, we all have regrets and different things like that, you know, when we put the high vis of praise on, we highlight where God is in our life. God is attracted to high vis praise. He's not attracted to high vis finger pointing. He's not attracted to high-vis complaining. He's not attracted to high-vis doubt. God is attracted to high-vis praise, worship, prayer, fasting. This is what gets the attention of God when we have high-vis praise. The Holy Spirit goes, I can land on that person. Like a dove looking in, in the flood with Noah. They sent the dove out. He needed a place to land. The Holy Spirit wants a place to land. God inhabits the praises of his people god inhabits the high vis praise of his people the high vis praise are you a high vis christian if you're not today you can be just say i'm gonna be i'm gonna be i'm gonna practice i'm gonna go to a life group and i don't care what that life group does because i am with people that love god that praise God, that God has got a plan for my life. And all I have to do is find a group of people that I can believe with to go out there and disciple other people. I've got enough word of God in my life to live a thousand lifetimes, 
to reach all the disciples I need to till I die. I've got enough word of God. My problem is I don't need more scripture. I just need to be around a team where we believe in each other, where we have high-vis praise together, where we can go out and reach the world. This they shall know that you love me, that you love one another together, together. I want a church that is together. Get people together with high-vis praise. High-vis praise. High-vis praise. That's why we gave out five CDs before. We want people into the jailer. See, when you are finishing up right here, I'm going to highlight these things. When you have high-vis praise and prayer, the other prisoners in depression, prisoners in finance, prisoners... In, in, in contention and stress and arguments. And this is the other thing. Christian, stop saying you're not bad. I ask you how you are and you say you're not bad. If you're a high-vis Christian, are you not bad? You're blessed. You're forgiven. You're set free. So many Christians out there I talk to, how are you today? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Come be like me. And then you ask them week in, week out, how are you? Oh, not bad. It's like, that's boring. It bores heaven. It bores God. Yes, you're allowed to be honest. Be honest with the right people. But don't tell everybody you're not bad. God is majestic and wonderful. And I'm a child of the King. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. We're, we're the not bad church. <laughs> the not bad life group. Empowering people in our world to be not bad. Connecting with people to be not bad. Demonstrating with people to be not bad. Equipping and empowering people to be not bad. I'm sure God has got a high calling for you and I when we put on high-vis praise. So any of so we put on high-vis praise. Other prisoners are going to listen and watch you. Whatever you're going through. Remember, these guys got beaten so badly that they had a reason to sleep and cry and feel sorry for themselves. And so suddenly there was a violent earthquake because they put on high-vis praise. The foundations of the prison were shaken because they put on high-vis praise and prayer. And then we have this. The doors flew open because of high-vis. Everyone's chains came loose because of high-vis. Jailer woke up, high-vis. The prison doors opened, high-vis. And then the, Paul shouted, high-vis. The jailer called for the lights. There was high-vis. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas because they wore high-vis praise and worship and prayer. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can I say the end goal with our high-vis praise and worship and prayer and fasting? We, I want people out there to notice how much I love God. I want people to see the presence of God all over me. If you fast and pray and praise God, worship God deep enough and long enough with great intensity, with great self-abandonment, I promise you one thing. People, there will be people that you'll meet in the street. They'll see the peace and the joy and the love and the goodness and kindness in your life operating straight away by the sound of your voice, by the spirit that goes with you. And they'll be able to tell straight away in five or ten minutes if you're a Christian or not. 
because of the presence of God that you carry. There's got to be an atmosphere around your life that we need to build so when you come in proximity with another person, they know straight away and they say to you or in their heart, what must I do to save my marriage? What must I do to get healing? What must I do to help that, that, that children, that family out there? What must I do to be saved? Can I tell you, when you put on the high-vis garment of praise and you worship God like David was prepared to worship with that heart attitude, the high-vis comes on, the presence of God comes over you, and then you step out of your door and then you can reach people for Jesus Christ. You bring them in, you connect them to a life group, and then we just keep doing it. We keep doing it just because you put on the garment of praise. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you you're a good God. I thank you, Lord, that this month we're going